0: stadium journey podcast can you believe it five years and nobody said it would last (laughs) we showed them didn't we (laughs) you can find all of our stadium reviews news items and other features on the on the mothers mothership the website stadiumjourney.com connect with us on all of our social media channels you can find us facebook twitter instagram or at stadium journey and you can find the audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network on your, whatever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Wherever it is, you can find us there. Video, po- video simulcasts of this podcast and our other ones can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page and find our classic back catalog at vocnation.com. And remember, if you're watching this at a later time and you wanna be part of our live studio audience, you can uh, find us recording live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at DanLaw.TV. And the gang is all here tonight. Dave Cotney's here. Follow him at ProFan9. Mark Viquez, he is on the internet at BallparkHunter. Dan Colachico, the other guy, is here. You can follow him at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckManRI. And tonight we are very happy to be joined by our old friend, and I don't mean old as in he's old. I mean old as in he's been with us since the beginning of the podcast. Mike Hogan. Mike has become our Buck Henry of sorts. If any of you are old enough to get that oh. reference for the not ready for primetime players. Mike, welcome. <laughs> I hope I'm not as dry as he is.
1: That's an outstanding reference.
0: For, for those of you, for our younger listeners, when at, in the infancy days of Saturday Night Live, they wanted somebody predictable. So, at, like, I think it was either the first episode or the last episode of every season. Buck Henry would be the uh, the guest host. So you've he... now called me old and predictable. Is that what I'm getting? Wow. Just, just... <laughs> I'm going to shut up now for the rest of the season. <laughs> like, like,
2: like Mark Viquez, you're just telling stories and digging a hole. Just digging a hole. <laughs>
0: uh, I, yeah, I've got to learn from Mark and stop yeah. talking at a certain point, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm kidding. All man. right.
0: So, so, Mike, I want to ask you, you, you. We've got an elephant in the room here. You're wearing an Expos hat. We yes. just talked about the uh, the Tampa Bay-Montreal x-rays on our last yes. show. And <laughs> so uh, are, are, do you have an inside scoop being from from Montreal or is it just?
1: I'm not from Montreal, but I grew up an Expos fan. Uh, like
0: when I was a kid, baseball
1: was my first, second, third, and fourth sport. Uh, and my Expos uh, were the team of my youth, uh, the Rusty Staub era, like way back at Jerry Park. And I know you guys talk stadiums and uh, one of my previous appearances here uh you said that we would talk about Jari park at some point so i came hoping that that discussion would happen so i've got that uh, so i've got the old tricolor expo hat on
0: hey as rod stewart said tonight's the night
1: there we go beauty <laughs> love it love that ballpark it was awful by major league standpoint but you know when you're a kid and you know i still freak out millennials when i say this the first game that i saw at Jari park featured Mason mccovey and the giants '71. And neither one of them started. They both pinch hit and both had pinch hit singles. I didn't remember that, but I looked that up on Baseball Almanac last year because I, I was able to figure out which date it was and went back. It was a Saturday, Sunday afternoon after a Saturday night game. So they gave the old guys the, the, uh, the day off. it were the, old guys, huh? Isn't the history of the Expos just so not possible today? Like well, it should have been the Buffalo Expos, right? Like, there's no way the team should have ended up in Montreal in the first place. You know, the, what was that pesky thing they needed? Uh, oh, yeah, a stadium. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have that. Uh, so they were able to reclaim this minor league, terrible ballpark, and turn it into a pseudo-major league facility. They were supposed to have it for a year before they built a new one, and Jean drapeau said, okay, we got the team. Now we're not going to build the stadium. So... They they didn't until the Olympics came around in 76, and then they moved in there in 77. So uh, it was a lot of years at a really bad ballpark. And, and not everybody remembers this. Because first base was facing west, uh, if you were looking at third base, they had to stop the game for about 20 minutes every night as the sun set. So a first baseman didn't get killed by a throw from the left side of the diamond. Jeez
3: wasn't it also wow. built by a a, a danish a danish company you know I like
4: know. The, like the, the, the danish the, the
3: danish Bart, company uh, lego <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it was it was yeah the, the, the amazing thing was when they played their first home game um in 68 69 60 i can't remember i'm old now um, but the first game they they didn't have all of the permanent seats in so down the lines they were putting up folding chairs so people if they were in 117 section 117 they they'd go up to the roll and then they'd have to count in however many seats there were because they didn't have all of the seats affixed yet they hadn't put them all in so the people who saw the first game a lot of them sat in folding chairs down the lines
3: yeah what a, fantastic and and, and <laughs> how much of an improvement was olympic stadium like really like, really, was it? I, I went to the uh, Canadian Maybe Baseball, first, Hall. right? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, and of course they have a, a, one of the seats from Olympic Stadium, one of those little scoop deals, and I took a picture and said it to the guys. I was they're like, "What the hell is that?" I was like, "That is a seat from
1: Olympic Stadium. I remember those seats. I remember them. It was an awful ballpark in terms of aesthetics. Uh, but when that place was getting 50 grand, when the expos were in pennant races in '78, '79, '80, '81, '82, that place jumped. Uh, they had it was it was interesting for a baseball crowd not in Milwaukee, uh, but they had an oompah band uh, in the concourse <laughs> level, and like the Happy Wanderer, that ridiculously ridiculous goofy song was kind of the theme song they would play it every night, the Valdrie Vald. They would play that in the stadium, and the crowd went nuts every time they played it. And we got stuck in a rain delay there. It was hours and hours and hours. It was in September. It was like a one o'clock game that ended at midnight kind of deal. And we just kept going from our seats to the Umpaas section, and there was this, you know German band with the tuba going and later Hosen. And then they'd start the game again. We'd go back into our seats and then it start raining again. And oh, back to the Carlsberg Pavilion uh, sponsored by the beer company. And, you know, okay, gee, I got to have another beer. And, uh, you know, it was, it, that's what it was like as an Expo fan at the Big O. But when they were drawing two, 3,000 people a night, oh boy, uh, you could hear conversations. Um, mm. You know, uh, a solid base hit would echo around the stadium for two or three minutes. Like it was just, it was bad. It was tough because it's a good ball club that had a, a, an ownership that just wanted the team out of yeah. there. Well, the, uh, the young people,
3: I don't think they fully grasp, you know, what kind of a following the Expos had. I mean, e- even, even in those bad years, you roll Gary Carter out to, you know, sign a few autographs or have a bobblehead or something, you get 30000 yeah, was Yeah. At, at a time yeah. when they were getting
1: five. And it, it didn't take much like if people love Gary Carter, because when he broke in, he was a right fielder. Um, they had a guy named Barry Foot behind the plate. And they thought the best way to get both of those guys in the lineup and Foot was a really good defensive catcher was to turn Carter into a right fielder. And and the problem with Gary Carter in right field is he didn't realize there were fences. And he just ran after everything and he'd keep running into them. And they thought that this, this, you know, Five-star prospect that was coming up that it would it would eventually be their catcher was going to kill himself, so he stopped playing right field and they put him behind the plate and I think traded foot and uh, uh, the rest is history. The rest but,
4: is uh, history.
1: Yeah, and, and you know the other the other thing uh, about the glory days in terms of the fandom, Rusty Staub learned how to he, he took French lessons his first year. And started to be able to answer French reporters' questions in very, very rudimentary French, and that turned him into a god in Montreal. He was the most popular player. He was their best player by far, um, and and that just took him to to a completely different level. Uh, you know, Le Grand Orange, uh, the Big Orange, in in Montreal with his flaming red hair. So it was. Uh, uh, he was the first real, real, real superstar in Montreal, and when he got traded to the Mets, it killed a lot of uh, a lot of fans. Just especially, and, I was—I think I was—I was nine when it happened. It was like they traded Rusty, <laughs> but you got Ken Singleton, so it wasn't too bad of a trade. And Tim Foley and, <laughs> and Tim Jorgensen. Foley and
4: Jorgensen, yes. And
1: the problem was they traded Ken Singleton for what Mike Torres and Rich Con. How did that go?
4: Ah, uh, I tell you, yeah. But I, I growing up, I used to always hear Rusty Staub talk about his time in Montreal, and he loved the city. That wasn't that wasn't the case for a lot of visiting teams. They there weren't were huge lot, the, fans
1: of yeah, the language I didn't like barrier. The fact that it was French. Yeah. And, you know, in the early '80s and mid '80s, we can't get ESPN up here. What's this TSN? Why are they showing me curling highlights? What is this? <laughs> and yeah, you know, but Montreal, man. As a town, I don't know why you wouldn't want to visit Montreal. No, no,
0: yeah. no. A 18, single age. guy
1: in your 20s as a ball player? Yes,
2: Ooh. yes. And it's, uh, Tim Capper in the chat says, the Big O is a bad stadium, period. It doesn't matter the sport. I cringe going there.
1: <laughs> Did you go bad? when it was jumping, though? That's uh, <laughs> You know, any any ballpark. The, the, the Sky Dome in Toronto is not an aesthetically nice ballpark. But when you had 50,000 people in there. They're all quiet. Hey, go!
0: Watch oh, your- hell! I've been to Fenway Park when there's only you know a few hundred people there, and it's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's well, you know talk about place
2: to be. Ta- talk about bad stadiums hopping. I've been to the Vet in Philly mostly when it was bad, but when when that st- when there was a good game and they were yeah. kicking the Phillies, uh, you could literally feel the stadium moving with everybody hopping. Right.
1: So, just- Three River Stadium, uh, the old the old push and. Uh, in St. Louis, those, uh, those uh, cutouts, they're all terrible stadiums. But when the crowd got into it, it was a jumping place to be. Best um, nachos I've ever had. It should be. Look at Guaranteed Rate Field the other
4: night. Uh, everybody was dressed in black, and the t- White Sox won twelve six. Everybody was jumping. I wanted to be there. It looked so exciting. Uh, not With John the Cusack's tickets. John yeah. Cusack, Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't necessarily like people that root for two teams like that, but John kuzak has been on the record that he roots for both no. teams. So, uh,
2: uh, Also, just real quick, if you want to gatekeep
4: somebody, don't get caught on camera, <laughs> yeah. when you, you know, especially when he makes you look like a fool. I think John Cusack, you know, made a point. You know, hey, I could name everybody from the 83 American League Championship Series that was on the Sox. Can you? Can you? No, I can't. <laughs> I don't know anything. Ooh, You're bad. That. You're ignorant.
3: So, so, what do you think about this? Uh, this uh, I don't even know what to call this this idea. Is it the even X-rays. an idea? I I love, I this, love this, the X-rays. This shared, it, like I, I said before, it almost seems like you're the kid of divorced parents, or you know, you're gonna go here one day, you're gonna go there the other day. What do you, What do you think of that <laughs> idea? <laughs>
2: I am the Montreal Expos.
1: <laughs> if it gets baseball back in Montreal on a full-time basis, if if Montrealers show up 30 grand a night, 35, 40 grand a night uh, to see a team that's not really theirs, and I think that's asking a hell of a lot. Uh, but if they can show that they can get even 25,000 in to see their their not their team play, um, you know, that's that's a major step uh, for the Montreal baseball project trying to to land a team they've got guys who are interested in buying they've got guys who are interested in building a stadium um now it's just major league baseball who has said and it might just be lip service uh but they said they're interested in returning to montreal it was just so many bad things lining up in a row the the, the canadian dollar against the u.s in, in that era as well just it was sad to watch as you would see. Oh, we got Pedro. Mar- oh, there goes Pedro Martinez. Oh, here's Larry. Wa- oh, we just lost our best Canadian player ever. You know, Marquise Grissom and all of these guys who have gone through there and we just in for a contract and out for a contract. So, um, you know, with dedicated ownership, it really is a very strong, historically strong baseball market going back to the Royals and the Dodger relationship, the Jackie Robinson era, stuff like that. So it is a really good baseball city. It's just that the ownership was just, it couldn't have been much worse. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and he, if you like dive into it, like the way that, that Jeffrey Loria just. Oh. Like
4: and he went to Miami name. and totally. He
3: hosed, <laughs> he hosed his partners. Like. I, you know, I'm not so sure what how baseball that guy, they
1: give him another team?
3: I'm not sure how he got out of town. I'm not sure how he's still alive. Like, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, between, between hosing all those minor league, all those, you know, minority partners where basically it was in the agreement that um, you either had to kick in when, when he made a cash call or you lose a chunk of the team. So he just kept making cash calls and that's how he, he ended up gaining this massive control to so then going to miami and hosing the whole city like oh my God, how did kind of, baseball
1: let him back in I, definitely not did you not, not money money yeah, i blame, it, I blame, I blame the red money. Sox. that's it i
3: blame the red Sox. they needed to give like the, the john henry went to the red Sox. this yeah. is we it need, this we is need the somebody reason. to hang out here down in florida so yeah. it's it's the red socks
1: it's always oh, so know, how so many, money. So it's money and the Red Sox fault. <laughs> how many billionaires would like a nice shiny toy of a Major League Baseball team? You tell me they couldn't have found somebody else, especially in the in the uh, in the Miami market. Oh, we'd love to go to Miami. Here, yeah. can we find a billionaire to buy a team? I don't think that would be that difficult with the amount of massive egos who are making a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. John, <clears throat> If there's
3: <throat> if there is one fan base though that I think that has been posed almost if not more than the Expos fan base it's the Miami fan base the uh, the only thing the only reason I would say not is because they got World Series out of it somehow yeah. right yeah but uh, but from from you know like who who would you say is the biggest Marlin of all time what you did uh, Jeff Aaron because he's
4: because <laughs> he's been there four years
3: right like <laughs> It was just buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell. Yeah, and, you're uh, right.
4: Who would be on their Mount Rushmore players?
3: Jeff, Jeff Conine and a bunch of Ferenc signs. And Darren uh, Dalton. Darren Dalton was there for 10 minutes.
4: Did, uh, but he wanted just, but he did a thing. Gene Carlos Stanton might be. He was a homegrown prospect that they just traded away, which makes sense now, but. How about Steve Bartman? <laughs> I still, uh, blame, uh, I still blame.
2: I still blame the shortstop
4: for that. Instead of giving, Rose, instead
2: Rose. of Chicago giving Rose. him a ring, they should have given him the team as a as a, a token of sorry we ruined your life. <laughs> Here's the team.
3: Well, I don't, don't see even see that, that happening. That's a little far fetched. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> but you know, Mike, the the all time greatest stadium journey surprise moment, I think had had a, Ton to do with the expos because we had a guy on uh, who was the general manager for the was it Jamestown James Tarpskunk? Tarpskunk, yes. Jamestown tarpskunks yeah Jamestown tarpskunks general manager the for the Tarpskunk? Jamestown
4: tarpskunks yes yeah his father awesome. Jim his Fanning. his
3: name was Frank Fanning and he's like oh yeah by the way my dad was Jim Fanning
1: <laughs> oh really <laughs> and we ended yeah. up
3: talking a lot about the expos that night
1: <laughs> yeah
4: yeah. And and he's a young guy. I don't think he's 30. Oh, yeah. He's like 13 or something. And Jim Fannin, his father was (laughs) born in 1927.
2: So I have have a question about this uh, X-ray thing. Are they building a new stadium or is it still kind of on paper? Because I'm also having a
1: conversation. Go ahead. They've got an area picked out. Uh, but they're not going to go. It sounds like it's the old catch twenty-two. Well, we're not going to give you a team unless you have a stadium. Well, we're not going to build a stadium unless you give us a, you team. a team. I was
2: talking to Tim Capper in the chat, and he he was like, and he asked the question: Is the Tampa play at the Big O before a thirty-five K seat stadium is built? And how long will it take to build the new stadium at
1: Peel Basin? That's what he said. Peel Basin would be awesome because uh, it's about a ten minute stagger from the bar area on Crescent Street downhill. And after seeing, probably about a twenty-minute walk up to the bar scene, so it's it's close to the metro state, the the main metro station, the the, the subway station in Montreal. Oh All the hotels are right there. It, it would be a remarkable spot for a ballpark. Uh, I don't know what you do for parking. You probably have to buy an adjacent lot or knock something down to put up some parking, uh, or you just make sure that people take the the subway to get down there. Um, it's right on a on a on a highway. It's just it's it's a it's a pretty interesting spot to put the stadium. And uh, I've seen sort of the
0: artist's rendering, and it would be just dynamite. And Tim Kapper also wants to know, you know, how how do you decide which team you want to make it? The the marquee matchups: the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays. Do you have them play the games up in Montreal? Do you have them play the games in Tampa? Because I don't think either city want, would want to lose. The marquee games there. Well, does
4: Tampa Bay draw
0: anybody? Uh, yeah, a lot of Red Sox fans. But they draw Tampa. a lot of Red Sox. Okay.
1: Well, they
0: would we, also go to Montreal. Montreal they, go, we if, would go to Montreal yeah. more, I think.
1: Yeah, they would. Yes, yeah, the Astros would go into into the American League East. You know, you'd have Toronto, which would be drivable. You have Boston, which is drivable. You have New York, which is drivable. So you know, for, from a from a standpoint of uh, even visiting fans, hey, let's go to a road game. Well, let's go out to Montreal for a weekend and see what that's all about. I think this is my curiosity. You're right on the Vermont border, basically. Twist my arm for that one. Sorry, Paul. I said twist my arm on that one. Yeah, absolutely. A great, great road trip. So you know, as opposed to what, back when they were in the National League East back in the day with St. Louis, uh, Pittsburgh would be a bit of a hike, uh, but was doable. Philly's uh, another hike. Um, but you know, for, for New York and Boston fans, piece of cake.
4: Yeah, no, that that would be in that
1: area.
3: The last thing that I read now, I don't know. I don't remember where I read it exactly, but they were talking. It was saying that they would start the season in Tampa and finish in Montreal.
0: Montreal. You have to call them the snowbirds.
3: I can't I can't imagine. Like I mean I guess to me it just it's just posturing. It's just a way either to get a stadium in Tampa or to get out, right? Because I can't see like even even in Tampa, like your draw games are not in April, right? Your draw games are still in the summer. Indoors. uh, Indoors. Which you know what? I've I've been a bunch of times and indoors in Tampa in July or August is just fine with me. It
4: is. <laughs> the AC is is yeah. a welcome welcome the, thing. The massive thunderstorms also <laughs> nice roof there. So, but yeah. there you go. That would
3: be the ultimate rivalry: is the Montreal fans and the Tampa fans pointing at each other, saying your stadium's worse. No, your stadium's worse. No, your stadium's <laughs> worse. Oakland <laughs>
4: says, "Hold my beer." <laughs> and
3: actually, Tim just yes. and Tim just added, "How
2: would
4: the playoffs work?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could happen easily. That could. Yeah, so, wait, so
2: is the end goal to uh, to eventually move them full time to Montreal? Like,
1: I think you're just what, t- t- dipping their toe in the water to see what's there. Do, you, do, you, uh, and, do you, and exploiting the fans in Montreal to try to keep the team in in Tampa Bay. To be honest, oh wow. Do, do,
2: will the would the MLB be considerate to? the dumb question to give Montreal their own uh, franchise back considering, you know, the narrative is as well, Montreal's fault that they left and it's not the case at all.
1: If, if and I've said this often, the next home game that a Montreal team not named the X-rays, uh, but a true Montreal franchise plays at home, uh, it will take, uh, it'll take a handgun to keep me away. Um, just, I, I, I've been really depressed that I haven't been able to get to a preseason game. Uh, when they were there, like honoring Gary Carter, having the, uh, you know, the, the, the 81 team guys come back with Hawk and, and rock and all of those guys. And, um, uh, you know, I will admit it got very, very dry in the room when I was watching uh, those pre 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 pregame ceremonies on, on television, when the Blue Jays were playing there, um, just brought back so many memories and just made the hurt of losing that team even deeper. Uh, and, and, seeing those preseason games with 45, 50,000 people there, uh, you know, that, that lets me know that there's a lot of Expos fans in there that desperately want a team back.
4: Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I think, I think what's kind of lost in the whole equation is that when, from, from a, a Tampa perspective, we, we, as in not people who live in Tampa think Tampa and it's, it's this spot. Uh, but really, like there's there is a lot of animosity just in say Petersburg versus Tampa the City versus all of these other places. and the lease is such that it states that they gotta pay, play at Tropicana Field, and they can't go to Tampa. they can't build in Tampa. They can't build in Ybor City or anywhere else um and and I mean, that goes back way back to to. You know, see, Petersburg not getting the the, the lightning, uh, not getting the bucks, right? It's it's this very um, you know have have not kind of dichotomy, almost almost like a, a rivalry, like a Calgary Edmonton, right? You know, Edmonton gets a new arena, and Calgary's like, wait a second, we need a new arena too. But it's it's closer Same to the market. point where they can't yeah. both have a new, they can't both have an arena. Let alone like either. Tampa's getting the ballpark or St. Peter's getting the ballpark. So, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of politics going on and building that
1: the dome there is like the politics behind that is fascinating. Oh, well, perfect world. Tampa keeps its team and Montreal gets an expansion team. I, you know, as an Expos fan, I know what it did to, to, to rip that team away from that city. And I would not wish that on the, on the diehard Tampa Bay Ray fans. I, I, I you know, we've seen that movie and, it hurts. And I've seen what happened to the fans at Hartford and, you know, that, that ripped their soul out to see the Whalers move to Carolina. So uh, you don't want to see that happen. Nordiques fans know what that's all about as well. So uh, I'd, I'd love to see Tampa keep its team, but I'd love to see Montreal have a team, but not at their expense. But if worse comes to worse and Tampa shows it's not ready to, to, to keep its team, sign me up, uh, moving, moving North.
0: Alright, so our intended topic tonight was not <laughs> baseball say so, Canadian Argo.
1: football. <laughs> so <laughs> well, Dave's got the Argo hat on tonight. I'm ready. Vintage. I'm ready.
0: All Those right, blue so, uh, wow. So should I lateral it off to you, Dave A? Uh, sure.
3: Sure. Uh, I do not I don't even know. Mike, were you working for the Argos the last time you were on with us? Or were, I think you might I have still remember. been in the I, I think you I, might I have still been on the again. radio.
1: Oh, uh, no. july eight twenty eighteen that's when i started with the Argo okay so uh what can you
3: what can you tell us about uh how it's been in, in Argo land like maneuvering through like covid and 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 uh you know having the nothing for a whole year and and the slow kind of i i would say kind of a slow build to the point where we're we're just about at Normal-ish situation, kind of coming up.
1: It was it was tough because uh, the team was coming off back-to-back four and four, uh, four and fourteen seasons, uh, and uh, you don't have to be a math major to, to know that's not good. And we brought in, uh, you know, the legendary, you know, for for the Americans, uh, a guy named Michael Clemens, Pinball Clemens, uh, who played up here, has more. He's five foot five, still is. Uh, But five five, he was a running back returner. Has more combined yards than anybody in pro football history. Twenty-five thousand as a receiver, returner, and running back. Just it's insane. And um, as great a player as he was, he's basically a saint off the field. He's one of those guys with his Pinball Clemens Foundation and the million-dollar smile, and like just he's he's the ultimate athlete in terms of marketing and. You, you know, trying to get people to watch your sport. Uh, if you played in a major U.S. city for a lengthy period of time, uh, he would be a god um, and and still is. Even people that don't like the Argos in our town just go, oh, Ball Clements, he's great. Um, so he takes over as general manager uh, after very late, rather, in the, in the 2019 season wholesale changes we go nuts on on free agency day and our draft is good and we can't wait for the 2020 season to begin and it, it doesn't happen so you know the guys in the football operations staff are still doing what they have to do they're scouting they're they're trying to you know talk to guys who are under contract and assessing what we have what we need then 2021 comes along same thing whole new free agency thing so we had this season was a buildup of, you know, almost two years of what's this what's this beast going to look like with, with Mike Clemens and new head coach. We brought in 75 roughly new guys. Uh, it's almost a complete roster overhaul. And we've been pretty good so far. Five and three. Uh, all of our losses are on the road and they're in the three toughest buildings in the league uh, to win in against three really good teams. And, you know, it's it, on the field, things have been going great. So we got to get some more bums in the seats. That's obvious. Uh, but but from, you know, easing guys back in, and we're still under pretty tight COVID restrictions uh, in the CFL. Um, today's a day off for me after a game day. I had to drive back in from Whitby to downtown Toronto, which is about 45 minutes, closer to an hour with traffic today, uh, to get a COVID shot. Or not COVID shot, but a COVID test. They do the swab and then back in the car and go home again so we're doing that two three times a week depending on when the games are and uh yeah we're, we're still batting down and nobody can go into a bar uh, it's just it's just we're trying to get through the season so uh last night's game was in hamilton mm-hmm.
3: so were you were you at tim horton's field calling the game or are you calling from a monitor or Yeah,
1: we're at Tim Hortons Field, and, uh, you know, I get there early enough and make sure the door is closed and, you know, wearing masks when we're out in the hallway, and everybody in the building now has to be double-vaxxed, whether you're a fan, a player. Sorry, not players because it's a CBA thing, but coaches, staff, uh, fans, officials, people working on the TV side. Everybody has to be double-vaxxed or you don't get in. Uh, Yeah, that
3: that, that was something I sure noticed this year about the Blue Jays. Um, And their broadcast is you could really tell when they were, when they weren't there and they were calling it from the monitor. I mean, even uh, they had a few times where, where they'd have one guy, well, Pat Tabler, he was calling from Cincinnati and, and, and Buck Martinez is, is calling the same game in Florida. And neither of them are at the game and they're both looking at monitors and they're both far away. And in like the last, what, homestand or two when they had uh, Tabler in the building and showman in the building. It was like night and day. It was like, wow, this is, this is really what it should be like again.
1: Yeah, and you could say it would be difficult just for the the choreography, right, between play-by-play guy and color guy. Um, Absolutely. You know, because a lot Yankees of times eye contact, right? Like it's, okay, I got something to say, or, you know, uh, you know, you'll hold up your hand saying I've got a follow-up line here or something like that. And I don't know how you'd call football because you wouldn't be able to see the secondary on TV. You're just watching the quarterback because that's all that's all TV focuses in on until until he hands the ball off or throws it. So you don't know what coverage is. You don't know if somebody's open downfield. Uh, you can't see a play develop uh, for 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 Dan and Buck and Pat. Uh, you know, less so Pat because he's not the play-by-play guy. But I fly ball. Okay, you can't follow the track of the ball. Is it looking <laughs> foul? You don't know you're you're looking at an outfielder run, so it's it, it's it's things you don't think about going from television to radio that would be really really difficult. Um, and when them, when they were doing the simulcast, which you know personally I just don't think works uh, in any. That no, was bad. It's 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 really tough sledding for the announcers. And I listened to a few games just to see how it worked on radio, and I thought I thought they did a pretty good job because it was uh, you know Dan especially has a radio background, so he's very cognizant of setting up pitch location and stuff like that, which would kind of be goofy if you're watching the game on TV because you can see the pitch location. Uh, But Dan just did it so seamlessly; it really, really worked.
3: Yeah, you you sure you sure notice that? Like on on radio, it's it's like, and when you know it's a simulcast, you're like, oh, this. If it's okay on radio, you're like, wow, they're going to be talking way too much on TV, and vice versa, right? If they're just talking a little bit, you're like what's going on if you're listening to the radio and well, that, just, and well, that was know, on,
1: on tv you never have to say the score yeah right you don't have to say what the count is because it's on the bug it's on it's it's up on the screen and you know uh, you know I, I remember the first time i heard uh, a simulcast on radio was rick Jenneret with be with the buffalo sabers and he was calling a tv game on radio and i didn't know what the score was for about 15 minutes in the car I just, I, I just didn't. It was, it was very frustrating. Um, yeah. And, and you know, Rick is going to call the game for television. There are more people watching television than are listening to radio. Uh, so I, ne- I never blame the, the play-by-play play guy for doing that. But uh, as, as a listener, it can be very frustrating. Well, CFL kind of
3: toyed with that. Like, I, I don't. Well, CFL, I don't. Argos. I know that. We the, do it. Yeah, we do. Argos it. It's not a great it.
1: situation. We it was do, like, first ooh. to admit that, but. Uh, you know, it's tough. And, and I imagine uh, because I'm always watching the games, I'm not in the car for them. Uh, I imagine there are times when it's just it's frustrating not knowing the score, but uh, whomever is calling the game on television nationally doesn't care about the local radio broadcast. And that's that's unfortunate, but that's where we are right now. So
3: uh, Argonauts are the last of the or the latest of the group to to join Um, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. You've been around the Argos, not necessarily working for them for forever, but I mean, you've been around the Argos forever. How has uh, joining MLSE
1: uh, benefited the team? Uh, First, you have stable ownership with deep pockets. That's that's very important. Um, The thing that I think it's overlooked is how many things that we're able to share with other teams. Um, our social marketing team, social uh, media team and, and, and uh, the stuff that we put out video wise, I'll put up with any team in sports. And I'm, I'm not just saying that. I, I, I think that Adam Kruger and the guys behind the scenes do a ridiculously good job of putting out content and making it funny and current and uh, very sarcastic at times. And it, it's, it's very well done. But our hype videos are fantastic and we're sharing resources with the Leafs and the Raptors and TFC and 905 and the Marlies, uh, all of the teams under the uh, MLSC umbrella. Um, and it, it's, it's really worked out well. And, you know, we have people who a very wide array of people in the marketing department and, uh, it's, it's stuff that, you know, when, if you were to just think, um, back to a few years ago, that just wouldn't be the case. And, you know, because, Not every owner has the resources that MLSE does. It's a deep staff uh, with spectacularly talented people. And, you know, I think we're putting out really good content to try and get people to come to the games. And now it's just people wanting to come to the games. Uh, Everybody we talk talked to has a great time. This year we're undefeated at home. Uh, Haven't heard a negative thing about people who have gone to a game. It's just getting them to go. And then the people who went and had a good time—it seems it's even more difficult to get them to come back, which doesn't make much sense. So I have one—I
3: don't know, maybe negative. Is it a negative? I don't know. Went to—I uh, was at the the game where they beat the Alouettes. Yep. And I, and I gotta tell you, that cannon just scares the crap out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but a, we, we, we have a nautical theme as the Argonauts, and even though there were no cannons on the, uh, when Jason and the Argonauts were going after the Golden Police, uh, we shoot off a cannon after a touchdown, and it's loud, and uh, there were some really funny fan reaction videos going around of people jumping when the cannon was shot off, so I shot off, so well, I'm really glad, Dave, that you're able to hear it because if we don't shoot it off, that means we haven't scored.
3: That's that's very true. We were we were probably uh, you know two sections away from it, and I knew it was coming, and it still scared the crap out of me. <laughs> it's uh, uh for you guys who have been to Columbus, see Blue Jackets. It's it's oh. very very similar to what they've to what they've got there. Uh, maybe a little louder because it's outdoors. I, I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, you definitely. Definitely jumping. Uh, I guess another one of the big changes over over time has been, of course, the the move from Roger Center to BMO. Um, and maybe before that move actually happened, that was that was like uh, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right, moving moving outdoors, moving to BMO was going to be the savior. It's a smaller venue and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it has been. Um, wh- what do you think? Do you think that the Argonauts are better off at BMO versus not? Obviously Roger center is not an option, but do you think they were, they're better off now than they were when, when Roger center was an option?
0: I jump in real quick. My no, uh, Tim capper, Dave would totally agree with your point. Uh, the chat he said that the move let me quote quote him here the move to BMO doesn't seem to be helping unless the crowd numbers at rogers center were very much inflated um there were a lot of freebies given out of the rogers center um we're not doing that we
1: we want to we want to see what we've got um and and handing out thousands of free tickets doesn't really help the value of the ticket going forward so that's something we're not doing um back in the day um, you know, the, some of the ownership groups were handing out tickets like Skittles, like, you know, as I like, hear, have a, just come down to the game because, you know, it was, let's make an event, let's have more. And this is one theory and I'm not, I'm not demeaning it because it's a legitimate theory. If we have more people in the building, it looks like more an event. If it's more an event, more people are going to come down. Uh, but, but, you know, you're right. The, the move to BMO field, which for people who don't know Toronto is on basically the footprint Although it's perpendicular of the old Exhibition Stadium um, that we were talking to about when we before we went on air, so it's right down on the water. It's right on uh, the GO line, the uh, the 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 rail line. Uh, so it's it's it can be an easy building to get to if you're coming east or the west. But coming in from the north, uh, maybe a little bit more difficult, but. Um, it's, 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 it's downtown Toronto and there's going to be traffic. So that's, that, that, can be a bit of a problem as well. But, you know, for those who know the city and they plan and they know how to get there, I live an hour away and I take the GO train in and boom, uh, it drops me off 30 seconds from the stadium. Uh, but it's a great, it's a great facility. I mean, Dave, you, I've never sat in the seats for a game um, but I've sat basically in every vantage point in the, in the stadium to see what it's like. And there's not a bad seat in that park. Oh, it's, uh, it's a ball game, and I assume soccer as well. It's better than sitting in the press box
3: where you're moving from, oh, there's a line <laughs> moving this way, <laughs> moving this way. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I I think, I think when they built it, people forgot Exhibition Stadium and forgot that wind whoosh <laughs> coming through. Yeah. Um, you know, just have a look at all those championship banners and, 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 and try and write a review while you're, while all those, like, Okay, I wanna get all the banners like actually looking nice as they're flying all over the place and yeah. uh yeah, that part I think people forgot. Um, I don't know the, the location, I'm not like I'm not a downtown Toronto kind of person. Um no. I'm not sure like why the, not? The go train the go train is is handy, not cheap, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if for those for those that live downtown, I'm not sure I'm not sure if, if BMO is a great location
1: a lot of people in liberty village there are thousands of people in that area if we can get a good to spot the games that would be that would be pretty cool it's a it's a pretty trendy area uh, a five-minute walk from uh, from the stadium but i mean i i live uh, like i say an hour away in whitby and uh it's an hour on the go train it's less than ten dollars each way uh so you know if, if you if you want to put twenty dollars in for parking well there's your parking right there mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you got a family, now it becomes a little bit problematic because that's going to add up in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, but for a guy like me who just takes in the train by himself, it's it's 20 bucks. So, uh, you know, I do that every day. So I, I'm I'm kind of used to it. But uh, uh, it's it's when you live in a big city, um, things aren't cheap. And transit uh, works if you want it to. And it, for me, it's a, it's a piece of cake. It's a five minute drive to the station, and then I go in and I read on the way in and just you know. Uh, relax and let my mind flow for an outreach way, and it's uh, it's getting caught up on uh, on Bob Woodward books.
3: <laughs> so, uh, during the pandemic, I guess um, the talk, the rumors, uh, the story that was being pushed—it was—it was pretty much the CFL news was this possibility of of some sort of connection with the fledgling xfl and and the rock Um, at this point you know that that's been put to a halt uh press pause i'm not quite sure exactly where where you would where you would say that is uh what was what was your take on on that whole idea um and do you think there there was any positive that came out of uh, the discussions, the talks, even even the rumors and and I, I think people what, like us talking I, about it.
1: Yeah, I think is and it's not just the CFL. I mean, we're seeing attendance go down in in most major sports right now. People are really enjoying sitting on their couch, and you know the 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 high def is pretty good. Um, you know the the price of some tickets for some people is just ridiculous now. So uh, there's a price point that 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 has passed some people by. Uh, so you know, if you're going to dip your your toe in the water just to see how you, what you can do to try and increase attendance, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think if anything positive came out of it, for a lot of people, was there was a very strong reser- uh, resurgence in Canadian pride in terms of what the Canadian Football League is, and uh, you know, people a lot of people got their backs up majorly when when there was talk of well, do we go to four downs on a big field? And a lot of people went no. Why would we do that? Let's keep the big field and keep three downs. Let's keep the single point. That's that. That's part of the uniqueness of Canadian football. If we go to uh, strictly NFL rules and become truly a feeder system for the NFL, the uniqueness of the product is gone. Some people would say that's a good thing. Many more, I think, would say that's a bad thing. So, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of both leagues equally. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm I'm an Eagle fanatic and. I love the Toronto Argonauts, even before I worked for them. And to me, it's always been equal. My my passion for the Argos and my passion for the Eagles equal. Now it's a little more one-sided that I worked for the Argonauts, but can't imagine uh, why. But you know, <laughs> here's, here's and I'll put this in, for, for for you guys in the States, maybe you'll relate to this a little bit more. You can go to a high school game on a Friday night, and it's a rivalry game, and you can have a great time. And you can look at that and you can say, South High is playing North High. And I went and I had a great time. And maybe a couple of these guys are going to go on and play NCAA and I'm going to remember them. And it was really good experience and the crowd got into it. Then on Saturday, you can go watch State University play a and State University. And you can have a great time. And you can enjoy that game the same way that you did the high school game, even though two players in the high school game are going to go play in the NCAA. And then on Sunday, you can go watch your local team play another NFL team. And enjoy it just as much as you enjoyed the, the college game, and just as much as you enjoyed the high school game, even though you knew no that the high school game is a long, 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 long way in caliber from the NFL. What I love the most about the CFL NFL thing is I can watch two really good pro leagues uh, in the same weekend, and the rules and strategy are totally different. So I'm exactly. getting this I'm getting this overload of okay I can watch the Eagles on Sunday, but I can watch the Argos on Friday. And they're two great games, and totally different. And to me, as a football fanatic, I think that's just that's just candy.
4: No, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And there's people that say I love high school football; I like it better than college or better than pro. And there's people that here in Indiana say I hate the NFL; just give me college. But uh, you no, know, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, that's set up there Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. You got your three levels of football there. Uh, I, I never understood why these two leagues could actually merge because these are technically two different codes of football. And I may be throwing myself out there with this comparison, but you have Gaelic football in Ireland and Australian rules football in Australia. And when they play each other, they have to have a new set of rules called the International Rule Series. So if the XFL and the CFL really want to get together, they're going to have to make some hybrid football of the two codes and present that, which I think will be far too much with what they're really trying to do. So uh, I, I think Dave had mentioned it, that, you know, the rock has a lot of money and the CFL has that history. And maybe this is just a good PR stunt to, to get some Canadian pride back into things. But I mean, I would love to see the XFL just come back to life. You know, there's no guarantee that's going to be
1: uh, but the other thing dunk. Is, what, what does Dwayne Johnson do as well as anybody on the planet? Uh, Marketing. Marketing. Yeah, that Like, too. we all know who the Rock <laughs> is. He does something. Like, he's brilliant in terms of his yeah. business plan. Uh, you know, he's a wrestler who has made himself into a multi-billion dollar movie star. Um, you know, and he's, and he's always able to keep himself in the news in a positive light. And I don't know why anybody in business, whether it be professional sports or a local car dealer, why they wouldn't want to try and find out why Dwayne Johnson has been as successful as he has been, because everything that dude touches, XFL aside for now, has turned to gold. Like it's, 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 he's, he's a really interesting study and I don't know why you wouldn't at least go and kick the tires and see what he's thinking in terms of marketing, especially when you're trying to get a younger fan base as a league.
4: But have we found out any other information since the last time we talked about it on here, Dave, has there been any,
3: there, there's a, a a stinky little rumor floating around that, uh, that the argonauts are buying yeah. their time and they're going that's... to leave the cfl and and join the xfl when it happens what
4: <laughs> yeah no that's i've heard that too which that that makes more sense than combining the two leagues however isn't there well, a rule in canada where you, you can't you can't be in a competing football league
1: well mike <laughs> there was a case um, I don't know how old you guys are. Uh, in the 70s, there was a, a ever called the World Football League. Yeah. And uh, what was the team in Chicago? The Fire?
4: Yeah, Chicago Fire and the Chicago Wins. They actually now, had two was,
1: names. No, the Tor- Toronto... Was, uh, I think they were the... Franchise. the, Memph- the-
4: they moved, I think they moved to
1: Memphis. The yes, team. they did. They yeah. were going to be the Toronto Northmen. Northmen, sorry, Southmen. Right now, and they became the Memphis Southmen. But what did the Argos do? Oh, the Argos, What did the Northmen do to try and get attention, they signed Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield. That's right. And it was like, oh, this <laughs> league is not messing around here. And that was like five years after the Argos signed Joe Theismann. Um, and he played up here before he went down to to, to Washington. Um, but the, it, there was it went to the government, and the government actually blocked it. Saying that the that the CFL, I can't remember the term. Uh, if I had known you were going to go there, I would look this up. But there was a <laughs> there was a the 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 minister's name was Mark Lalonde, and he would not let Toronto get a team in this league because it was in direct competition with the Canadian Football League. So it and was keep, protected. And keep in mind that the
3: the owner of the Toronto Northmen was was John Bassett, who was yes. who was a Canadian, a very, uh, you know, well connected Canadian. I mean, his dad, uh, John Bassett, senior who what was he? He owned a newspaper. He used to own the Argonauts. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, somebody from down south said, hey, let's put a football team there. No, it, and if it you was a whole documentary guy, on the, the 30 for
1: 30 on the USFL. John Bassett's name is all over that. He bought Tampa, uh, became like the most respected owner in the league, and there was an infamous letter
0: that a he letter sent to Donald Trump.
1: Trump. Yeah. yeah, and that that was Bassett. And the other thing, I didn't realize uh, until a year or two ago that John Bassett was almost best friends with Bobby Kennedy. Um, I found a picture of Bobby Kennedy at an Argo game, wow. uh, not too far. Not I think it was '67, and. Um, um, John Bassett delivered one of the eulogies at Kennedy's funeral.
4: Really? Wow.
1: I know that.
4: Wow. And Bobby uh, Kennedy was at an Argos game.
1: Yes. The nice. year before he was shot. Uh,
4: I rather like oh, this wow. sport. This, I don't understand the three downs. I, a lot I, of action I
2: like how they score extra
4: points.
1: Um, there's a great <laughs> shot of him standing up and just screaming That's, at the field. Like he was really getting. Yeah. Into it. Wow. So it was sitting at Bassett sitting there kind of with his arms like this. It, don't make me. Yeah, no, and, Ma- and Martin Short
4: was on the other side rooting for the Tiger Cats, right? He's a bit.
1: <laughs> Tim says
4: the Ottawa Rough
2: Riders did the same with the Arena Football League in 1992 in an exhibition.
4: Oh, nice. Oh, there you good, go. Good for
3: them. Canadian... Now, if anybody knows arena football, it's yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: Tim. It... I would not debate that with Tim. <laughs> Is it the Canadian Football Act? Is that what it was called?
1: I don't I... think so. No idea. Yeah. I don't Felt so. would no hurt
2: idea.
4: the Riders, so played in Hull.
2: Uh... Uh, uh, Quebec City instead of Ottawa, laughable if you ask me.
3: That's from Tim. Yeah, talk about different products. Holy <sighs> Yeah. Um, okay, so Mike, finally Baker got his passport. He's coming up at some point.
0: We'll Sell see. It. We'll see if they let Americans in.
3: Solid. <laughs> why? A two-part question. Why? Why should? Why should Paul Baker come and see a CFL game? And second, maybe linked, uh, what is the best Canadian football
1: rule? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I'll I'll sell the game first. We sell beer for five bucks at the game. And in American money, that's like 38 cents. Beer! I'm there. That's like 38 cents American. So (laughs) you can come and you can really enjoy yourself. And that's Canadian beer. And and remember, this is, I'm a guy who loves the NFL. You mean superior beer?
3: Yes, superior beer.
0: Yes, I said that. Yes. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If you're coming to a game, and like I said, I love going uh, to the Link or somewhere to watch an NFL game or a college game. I think that the TV presentation of the NFL is unsurpassed. It is an event. It is spectacular with the overhead cameras and the 48 cameras they seem to have at every game and the super slow-mo and all of the bells and whistles. I think that the NFL is a spectacular TV product. Going to a game live, though, here's what I hate about the NFL. And there's a touchdown, and let's take a television timeout. We're going to sit here for 20 minutes. And here's the kickoff after the... the touchdown. And if the drive was more than three plays long, let's take another television timeout. So you're sitting there for two minutes at a time with nothing to do way too often. Um, I, th- I think that the flow for an, a fan going to a CFL game is a thousand times better than going to an American game. And it's got nothing to do with the on-field product. It's got everything to do with the television timeouts. You'll I tried- out, Paul, if you come up here, you're going to see a CFL game's going to fly by if you go live.
4: It drives me crazy, the timeouts. Every tra- reason.
1: I tried I to. am
4: gonna
2: be
0: pretty drunk. I'm gonna be honest with
2: you. Ooh. I tried to. I tried to get back into the NFL uh, last year because coronavirus and you know nothing else to watch sometimes, and I could I couldn't do it. I could I my, my ADD. I was like another commercial. I got to do something else. Goodbye. I'll see you later. Like I I tried to watch more than just Eagles games, and I was like, nah, I God it. forbid, there's a a
3: uh, I can't replay Dave. Dave I replay physi- that they have Dave I
2: physically. You don't understand. It's it's mental. It's a mental illness. I can't sit there physically and take it. Like, I no, I got to go. This is too much. I got to do something else. And as for me, I'll give you
1: one that's got the same sort of idea behind it. Um, I talked to and it was off the record, so I won't use, use his name. But he was a guy who had been a, a multi-year start in the NFL who came to Canada and he was not getting it. He was just struggling mightily. And I said, "What is it? Like, like I know you've got more here. Why are you having a trouble adjusting to the game?" And he said, "It's that damn 22nd clock." He said, "I'm used to getting the play call in my helmet, calling the play in the huddle, going up to the line, looking over the defense, making the adjustment, calling out an audible." And he said, "More times than not, I'd just get up there, I'd be ready to call out the audible, I'd look at the 22nd clock, and it was a two. So it was the pace of the game. So our guys are used to kind of getting in the huddle, getting out quick, boom, boom, boom. Let's get the play started. Um, you know, if it goes to that 21st second, you got, you got a five yard penalty coming up I, I, I last need- three minutes, loss of down.
2: I want to defend myself a little bit, Dave. That's unfair. It's egregious in the NFL. It's terrible TV. No, it's I, don't, bad. I'm- I don't understand how anybody could sit there for hours and have their friends over and watch all that. No, no, i no, I'd I know you're, if you're there. Okay.
3: If you're there, and they and the and the officials have a have to do a replay, winning, yeah. a replay judgment or whatever. You're literally sitting there. Oh, there's j- nothing. Just oh, it's, so it's so bad. Stop it. I um, would, but Mike, I would have never guessed the the clock. I would have never guessed. I mean, my oh. favorite, no yards penalty. Yeah. Ah, oh, beautiful. And
1: the and the timing is like. You, if you kick the ball out of bounds before, before it's inside the 20 on a punt, it's a penalty, 10-yard penalty. They, you are you are encouraged to kick the ball in play, and you have to return it, essentially. So, I mean, some of the best plays in CFL history are on returns. And the other thing is the timing. Um, opening week, Eagles game, um, they had no timeouts left, with two minutes left, and we watched two minutes of game go by with a guy taking a knee. And then taking a knee, and then taking a knee, and then taking a knee. In the <laughs> CFL, there could have been three possession changes. In two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I oh. think like
3: fair catch. Sorry, Mark. Uh, I think like fair catch, I mean, you got the book right behind you. You're the Rocket. Like the CFL was perfect for Rocket Ishmael. Can you imagine the number of fair catches that he would have had? Like, if he, if he, well, I'm sure he did have them when he went to the Raiders, but. No, no, fair, no fair catch.
1: Got to give him five
3: yards, and then boom. It
1: There's was a great perfect. story in this book about Ismail. And uh, At camp, they wanted to time all the receivers in the 40. And everybody was, okay, let's see what this guy's all about. Because that was the big thing about him at Notre Dame was just how fast he was. And don't forget, he signed here. He was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And the night before the draft, he signed with Toronto. And they announced it that morning. Yep. oops um so they're saying okay we got to see this the players all come out he runs it on grass right this is in training camp and the three guys have the old stopwatches. go <clears throat>
4: boom
1: okay what do you have because <laughs> everybody's kind of looking at the, <laughs> the clock
0: no this can't have? be
1: right no 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 you go first what you have. <laughs> and the consensus was that on grass he ran a 4-2 on grass okay that's how fast rocket is yeah he was uh, He was was ridiculously fast and perfect for the for the wide field uh the famous touchdown he scored in a great cup where a guy actually threw a beer can at him as he was going into the end zone best Uh, story ever yeah it was a whole chapter yeah a whole chapter on finding the dude that threw the beer can
3: amazing
2: you mean a Philadelphia fan drove up to Toronto and threw a beer can on the field?
4: That was in, Winnipeg, I think. I was in Winnipeg.
2: Oh, Go Winnipeg! Nice. Excuse me, <laughs> excuse Winnipeg. me,
4: frigid Winnipeg. Frigid Winnipeg! Winnipeg.
1: Winnipeg. Now, how dare he? Minus nineteen at kickoff.
4: Yeah. No, now, thank you. Now, how was how was Rocket remembered in Toronto thirty
1: years later? He's remembered as a guy that brought a lot of sizzle to a really good steak. Okay. Um, you know he was special in terms of on the field and then at the end of the first year he got bored like he wanted to go to the NFL even though he was making uh, seven figures more than Joe Montana was he was the highest paid player in football he was making I believe four times what Jerry Rice was making um, I think Rice was making a million and and, and Rockets contract was for four
4: um,
3: he took a significant pay cut to go back to the NFL. NFL. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, people who are Argo fans remember 1991 so fondly because of that. And even more so the, the co-ownership of John Candy, who is a a legend in this city. Um, you know, if there's a statue of anybody in town, it would be him. Um, and yeah, he was so damn passionate. He grew up in Toronto wanting to be an Argo. He blew out his knee and his second career choice was acting. I think it worked out okay. <laughs> <I> like, <laughs> kinda like The Rock. Yeah, so he so he wanted he bought in, he kind lost of. a lot of money. Yeah. But let's say the, the Argos were playing in Winnipeg on a Friday night. Candy got in his private jet, flew out to Winnipeg on a Wednesday, did every morning radio show, did every television show, did every print show, you know, would take fans out to the bar, would like he was just there to sell the league. And uh, you know, after the game he would fly back to Toronto, he would say to the coach, who are your four best players? And those four players would get on the jet with Candy and fly back with him to Toronto uh, after the game. And often uh, Candy would just switch pilots and then go right to L.A. Um, Like he was just, he was all in. He just, if he had to go to L.A., he just loved, loved, loved the Toronto Argonauts. Mm -hmm. And and he wore his his heart on his sleeve. And that's why so many Argo fans uh, remember him with nothing but fondness.
3: Three, probably three great um, John Candy Argonaut pictures. Uh, the one, the one I think it's on the cover of the book actually. With, with uh, he's got the Grey Cup and, and rockets on his back. Um, oh, right. yeah. The the one where he's holding the the uh, the helmet up.
1: That's but I think the one shot. that the one yeah. that
3: really sort of defines John Candy as an Argonaut owner is where he's carrying the injured player off. Oh, yeah, I've seen that picture. Yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah. One, that one really tells you everything, right? There. So it's just the, one the story of
1: the- was Carl Brazley got hurt. There were two players this got hurt on the same play. And, you know, Brazley's looking up. He doesn't see the trainer, and he looks up, and John Candy has run out onto the field to see if he was okay and to help him off the field. How many owners do that? None. Robert Kraft does that every weekend. How many owners could do that? Mark Jerry Jones would pay somebody to do it, but wow,
3: well, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Jones gets his son-in-law to clean his glasses for him, and John. John, J-
1: John Middleton. G- John Middleton a those, just takes picture here. of his
2: douchebag kid in the dugout. Sorry, I'm still showing you guys
1: here. At least I know this is audio, but there's a picture of. Uh, <laughs> oh something on John oh yeah. back we got amazing picture. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paul Wood's book is spectacular, by the way. Even
2: if you know nothing about it,
1: the how the Candy and Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNall ownership group came together. It's it's a really neat story. The only way I could have liked John
2: Candy more is if he actually was in Ghostbusters like he was supposed to be. But then we wouldn't have Rick Moranis. So it's like.
1: (laughs) And one of my favorite guilty pleasures is going berserk. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. god it is so politically incorrect but so damn funny yes it is. i miss you know
2: it's weird the john candy thing even like because he was in movies that were like i was too young to see when i was growing up you know in the mid to late 80s but then that cartoon came out
4: camp candy
2: camp candy came out in like the late 80s early 90s and it was on right 89. after. Go- of course you would know the year of course it came on right after Ghostbusters. I- i'll Busters. tell you why okay go ahead no, that was it. I just yeah. that was my John Candy exposure. Then as I grew up, you started watching the stuff. Oh, this is where John—that's where that guy from the
4: cartoon came from. Yeah, he actually did a, a Saturday preview where he appears on the same stage with the cast by say by the belt. Yeah, never he, he never knew that it was like yeah. oh this is great Zach and John Candy and Screech. Yeah. He would do Whoa. interstitials. He would do the voice like he he put John Candy put
2: so. In time into everything he did. That's the point. Like, he was involved in this
1: cartoon. It's crazy. And while you guys stateside uh, were watching SNL, and it was just kind of when SNL was starting to go from the original. I know Primetime players.
0: No, we SCTV. had
1: SCTV. We won.
0: We yes. had that too in oh. New
1: England. We yes, got they, you, they you, did. You got it later on when it came on to NBC. But yeah, we, it, 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 we the had the a different version. Just in Canada was just. It was a
4: new. Yeah, Tony
1: probably. Rosada
2: hold on wait oh, yes. wait wait wait! <laughs> i was all about snl for years and then like i'd start staying up late as you get older and sctv started getting reruns like real late at night in american tv yeah. and it was p pe- every i recognize every katherine o'hara
4: i know uh,
2: everybody
4: was eugene on Randy, eugene,
2: eugene levy john Kennedy, and martin so short, short john, all these people i would recognize eugene from loving. all these movies i watched and i'm like what am I watching? Yeah. SNL from the 90s? Oh, what for? Cares, yeah.
4: Who cares? Well, John Candy, they wanted to bring him on for the 81 82 season. And he told, told him the, no. And he did. I don't know why he didn't. Who? I don't know what
1: the.
2: Catherine O'Hara,
1: the, too, they wanted to bring
2: Who's on. the cast member that does the Anne marie impression?
1: Anne Murray? It, Andrea Martin?
2: Yes, Andrea Martin. I will look that up once a month to watch that sketch because it makes me laugh to this day. I don't I, remember this, that. Oh, please Anne look Murray? up.
1: Okay, yeah, there's up. an
2: anne Mary SCTV sketch, and it's just like, it's sort of, <laughs> it's just, it's well, terrible. There, there, She's got another, poor posture and everything. It's hilarious. There's another dude.
4: sketch that reminds me of Celebrity Jeopardy on uh, SNL years later.
2: Listen, uh, Canada's half-wits. better
4: is what I'm saying. What's it called? Halfwits. Halfwits, exactly. That is almost the same skit, except done it's a, 20 some it's years, 20 years ago it's 20 years later.
1: <laughs> with uh, with high school students as opposed to celebrities
4: yeah uh, just
1: classic stuff it's it's so it's so good it's just you wouldn't if
2: I always told my friends I'm like if you watched this you wouldn't watch the, the reruns of the hour long reruns on E or whatever they were rerunning the, well, the, the, the SNL crap. crap the,
0: the,
1: the, the, the sketch the that was probably the most popular in Canada certainly for a while was the McKenzie Brothers and, and we had different Rules in terms of commercials, right? Yeah. You guys were allowed to run more commercials in the States than we were. So they came and they were going, Guys, we need another two minutes per show. And they said, Why don't we do something Canadian? And, and one of, I, I don't know which of it was Dave Thomas or Rick morana said, uh, Well, what do you want to just have guys sitting around eating bake, bacon, back bacon, and drinking beer and smoking? And it was like, Yes. <laughs> and that's how the McKenzie brothers came up. It was a filler because they needed to fill up the the time that they couldn't run on commercials in the US.
2: Let, let me tell you a little bit of something about my 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 wife. Uh well, she's practically my wife. I get married soon. Um big SCTV fan. Big Strange Brew fan. And for those who don't know, Strange Brew is the Mackenzie Brothers movie. And I had not seen it until three years ago I got a Blu-ray release. I have there's no movie like this. This movie should not exist. <laughs> this movie should not exist. But like this movie should fail, right? On all fronts. If it was any American if it was in a SNL movie, this would have bombed. I mean, it it's did bomb. A,
1: it's not a good movie, but it's our good movie. But, oh, yeah.
2: movie. No, I legitimately love it because plastic. Max von Sydow plays the villain straight up like Max von Sydow should and you're like I want him to get hurt at the end of this movie. I hate this prick. <laughs> he has that mustache and it, the hockey scenes, which I always forget that happened in this movie. And then it I'm like, bad. oh yeah, the hockey stuff. It's so bad. Good. It's so good, bad. <laughs> it, uh, anybody listening, if you've not watched Strange Brew, legitimately, you will watch this and go,
3: oh, okay. I get it. Oh, When when Max von Saito sh- showed up in that Star Wars movie, you Know up here, we were like, that's the dude
4: from Strange. <laughs> yeah, for me,
3: for me, it's uh,
2: it's Exorcist, it's Ghostbusters, never, say never again, right? never say never again, Ghostbusters 2, and um, yeah, those, the, uh, there was another one I forgot. Oh, and um, uh, Flash Flash Gordon. Ming the Merciless, man. Yeah,
4: he, that's right. Dun, dun, dun,
2: but he did the voice dun, of Ego, dun, dun, and that's where I got connected dun, 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 to it. Dun, 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 but I, Mel Blank is their parent, is their father at the beginning. I forgot about that. Oh right. It's just, they're,
4: I gotta
1: see this movie again. it a while. Dude,
2: they just went like this. They said, what can we find?
1: <laughs> Such a great well, I movie. Remember, I hadn't watched it in like 20 years, and it came on like 10 years ago. I said, oh, my God, I've got to watch this. And my old condo, I didn't realize this. It was the, the movie, some of the exteriors were like a block away from my condo. That's like, awesome. It's hilarious. That's,
2: it's, it's legitimately loose. So, you know how you talk? You know what? That's a bit. Never mind. I was going to say it's a better movie than Slapshot, but I'm going to get killed by somebody hey, they, saying that.
3: They, they have to save Kitchener. That's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. They have to save Kitchener because the tainted beer is going on Corpest. Uh, exactly. And- <laughs>
2: Such a good movie. It's such well, a bad good movie. Uh, it
3: yes, it's a bad <laughs> yeah,
1: good movie. It's a bad good movie. Like go berserk. If you like Strange Brew, the candy movie, go berserk. Eugene Levy and Joe Flaherty are in it, and it is it's
2: hysterical. This is a Canadian uh, uh, episode, Paul. Real quick before you before we go, I just uh, take off. Hey, exactly, Tim. <laughs> take off, hey. I say that sometimes now, when I'm mad because I've watched that movie so many times. I'm like, take off. Close um, it. It's so, Rick, I just, I want to take this time since we're talking about Strange Brewing, we were on the John Candy thing. Uh, Rick Moranis is a national, is an international treasure. Uh, and I know, I'm going to bring it back to Ghostbusters real quick. He makes that character, because I talked about it, that was the character John Candy was going to play. For those who don't know, John Candy... Was originally going to be Lewis Tully, the guy that gets possessed by the terror dog in Ghostbusters, and then John Candy told them. I guess he didn't really want to do the movie, so he told them, "I want to be German and two and I want to have two German shepherds." And it was like, well, we already have two more dogs in this two dogs in this movie. You can't be German." So they're like, uh, "Rick Moranis will do it." Rick Moranis steals every scene he's in, and that's hard to do when you're on the screen with Dan Aykroyd, Scorpius Weaver, and Bill Murray,
1: and right. Harold Ramis. I think the uh, the line my le- my wife still asks me to to do every once in a while because it makes her giggle. Is who brought the dog?
2: <laughs> okay, who brought the dog?
1: <laughs> yeah, just but just
2: he's clapping. just going on and on at the beginning of that that party about the price of uh, salmon from Nova Nova Scotia <laughs> and 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 the difference between the generic and the ad and, and the brand name ad uh, Aleve or Advil. I just. It got saves you. him 29 cents per
0: package, you know? Yeah, Rick Moranis <laughs> is a
3: god. So, is a god. Are you saying that instead of Rick Moranis, they would have had like Schmengi as a <laughs> Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah, there was going to be. They offered it to John Candy. He wants to be a German guy. Schmenge. I want to be. And I
2: want to be German and have two German shepherds. I was like, oh, well, we have the dogs. That doesn't make. Goodbye, John. (laughs) (laughs) See you later, dude. Oh man. Do we
4: know why he turned that down? No, I actually don't
2: know. I think he was just busy and he was like, he just goofed around and said, I want to do this and this. They were like, no, get out of (laughs) here. Get
0: somebody else.
2: Paul, take it back quick.
0: All right, Mike. Mike, we got to thank you for coming on. Dave's worst nightmare of a show because we (laughs) did not stick to the script at all tonight and yeah, but I it was you. all Canadian when it went off the rails. But I thank you for that, man. I loved it. But <laughs> <So> we went,
2: <laughs> we
1: went from the expos to uh, Ghostbusters.
2: I do, right. I do, I do want to bring up one more thing from before that I did want to mention that Tim and Greg were talking about in the chat. Take it, go, Paul. No,
0: I'm bringing. I'm, i No, it. I
2: forgot, and I promised these guys I'd mention it. This is on topic. Uh, back with the exit, we we're talking about the XFL, CFL, the CFL thing, where uh, Greg said, "Hear me out. What about?" arena Canadian football field is 55 yards instead of 50. And you have all the weird Canadian rules. And Tim Capper came in and said, the idea was floated, but it was small money. And that blew my mind that that was a thing that was
1: absolutely considered. We had the Toronto phantoms up here. Yeah. For like two years, early nineties. Oh, in my mind here, I didn't know that. I'm ready to go. Yeah. 2001, 2002. 2002, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: They had a cool logo. It was the Grim Reaper. It was yeah. not Good your ball. typical logo. Paul, oh, take it back. Quick, uh, yeah, we are talking the about Canadian. London
0: today. Knights were Jack the Ripper, right? Yeah, I don't know. Do you have the Grim Reaper? No, that was
3: the baseball said? team. The That's what I'm Reapers. talking about. The London, Rippers. not the, not oh, the, the Rippers, Rippers.
0: The Rippers. Yeah. Rippers. London.
1: That, that was the Frontier we're, League team, right? The Werewolves of London was a baseball. That, team,
0: right?
4: that yeah. was a great name. Aspect. I have video of me at that game running around the bases and, nice. <sighs> Help. Which means I wasn't in shape twenty some years it. ago.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, Mike, you want to let our uh, our listeners know if they want to talk anything Canadian with you after the show? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, Mike Hogan Argo's on Twitter. Uh, I, I'll respond to basically everybody, so uh, I always enjoy uh, that connection via social media. That's. That's the easiest way to get me, and uh, I, I'm on it quite often. Probably too much.
0: And, and Mike, I'm so glad that you got my Buck Henry reference. Um, oh man, that's just so. So we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in 12 months then, right? Yeah, he was, he was
1: the driest <laughs> martini ever.
0: Oh, thanks again for coming on, Mike. Really
1: Great enjoyed again. it, guys. Great as was always. A lot of
0: fun as always. So that's all the time. Did you see how I just kind of last three seconds? Just kind of shook my hand like this. So I didn't really Uh, it's still to the beat you know (laughs) i'm so distracted and tired all right so that's all the time we have for tonight thanks everyone for joining us and thanks once again to mike hogan for coming aboard and talking all things canada uh dan where could our listeners follow you online all
2: everywhere dan 93 i'm done mark how about yourself
4: uh ballpark hunter on uh YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, MySpace, and on YouTube you can follow me on YouTube. Check out my videos. I got new stuff working on right now for you to uh, view in a few few days from now. And
0: Dave, working our listeners, follow you
3: on Twitter and Instagram at Profan Nine. I got a Ranger game coming up. It's been a long time since I've been on, been to one of those Kitchener Rangers.
4: That should be fun.
0: That's how yes. I feel about the Providence Bruins coming up, too. Yeah, first game is Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, it's been for a long Saturday time, night. man. Been uh, the last game was beginning of March for me at the dunk.
2: You know what yeah, solidified of 20,
0: it? Of 2020.
2: twenty. Yeah, twenty You know what solidified it for me, Paul, about the AHL? My AHL TV subscription renewed, and I was like, Oh, thank you! Oh, thank
0: you so much! Did you have something else there, Dave? I think I cut you off.
3: No, I'm just excited that I got a Ranger game coming up, and then a couple more football games in the OUA.
0: Nice. In the back, isn't it nice to be back at games? Oh, amazing.
3: And, and we're going to be full capacity!
0: Boo! Oh, oh yep, yeah, never mind. End of show. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, speaking of games, you can follow my Stadium Journeys, two different games, on Twitter or Instagram at R I. And if you're looking for reviews or information about where to see the games, check out all of our Stadium Reviews, news items, and stories on our website, stadiumjourney.com, or connect with us on social media, find us at Stadium Journey. You can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast if you like this one. Listen to some more. Uh, search H I A C Talk Radio Network on whatever podcast app you use. It'll work. I swear, I promise. Video cycle of all of our podcasts can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page and our classic back catalogs. This was our season five premiere, so all of our five years, four years previously, can still be found at bocnation.com. And we stream live every other Tuesday night at eight Eastern at twitch.tv slash Danlaw83. So, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for your support and for listening again tonight. Thanks to Mike Hogan for joining us. So, for Dan, Mark, and Dave, I'm Paul, wishing you all safe stadium journeys and close games. Hope to see you on the road real soon. cross the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled have my share, man. I've been everywhere.
1: I've been everywhere.